Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to another episode here on the Quarterdeck. This week we continue with our reading of our book, With the First Marine Division in Iraq of 2003, No Greater Friend, No Worst Enemy, and we move on into the final preparations, the efforts of the 1st Marine Division to look into the actual force flow on how they're going to be moving into the country and allowing them to accomplish the mission. This week in our Hero Highlights, we take a look at the citation of Corporal Lewis James Haig, Jr. of the United States Marine Corps, and we'll be able to find out exactly what did he do in order to earn him the nation's highest award, the Congressional Medal of Honor. Drop and give me 25. I'm the gunny. It's, it's time for the gunny. The quarter deck. Lights, 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 get online right now. You got 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. Hello, my bunch of knuckle-dragging, beer-drinking, hard-charging devil dogs. You're listening to The Quarter Deck. I am your host, Miguel, the Gunny Signs. Get off the bus! I do solemnly swear. I do solemnly swear. That I will support you. The Constitution of the United States. The If anybody's been on social media anytime this week or last week, the biggest story that's been going on regarding the Marine Corps is in Oceanside, California, Camp Pendleton, California, where a 14-year-old or 13-year-old, whatever they're saying in the news, girl was found in the barracks aboard the base. Now, this happened in Oceanside, California, where a 14-year-old girl who was reported missing by her grandmother from San Diego, California, reported this to authorities that she had possibly ran away a couple days before and that she had done this before. However, that she had returned back within a day or two. So, because she was gone for so many days, the missing report was actually filed and the information was collected by the authorities down there in San Diego and everything was reported to the National Center for Missing or Exploited Children. On the 28th of June, the young girl was located on board Camp Pendleton, California in the barracks of a Marine. She was found there by the military police who then, of course, they notified the authorities out in town and they handled the investigation somewhat from there. Now, this is about 40 miles away from San Diego. The officials were told that this teenager had some kind of form of learning disabilities. And of course, she was also interviewed by the authorities. And since then, the girl was returned back home to her grandmother. This Marine is with Combat Logistics Battalion 5, 1st Marine Logistics Group, who was taken into custody, of course, for questioning by the NCIS or the Naval Criminal Investigation Services. The lead investigator that's handling this investigation started everything, of course, in that same day on June 28th. Since then, this Marine has been released back to his command. While the federal law enforcement officials do conduct their investigation, now, right now, it's not very clear what this Marine's connection was with this teenager, but... The family is alleging that this young girl was actually sold to the Marine in order to have some kind of sexual contact with this girl. Now, a woman who identified herself as a girl's aunt, her name is Cassandra Perez. You know, she posted a TikTok video that has gone viral. That's why if you are on any kind of social media platform, you will see this video and how viral this thing has actually gone. And she's alleging that she was raped on board Camp Pendleton, California. 
And what she stated was, Hello, my name is Cassandra Perez. Please share this video with anybody and everybody. This is a warning to the public to not jeopardize the ongoing investigation. I will not be releasing the name of the victim. However, I will be releasing details to the public to help prevent harm and hopefully find others willing to share their story. My niece is under the age of 18 and has learning disabilities. On June 10th, she went missing. And on June 27th, she was found on Camp Pendleton. Camp Pendleton is a military base in Oceanside, San Diego. She was found in the barracks by military police. She had been sold to a soldier. The military is trying to cover it up. They are trying to cover it up and place majority of the blame on her. We've just had an interview with someone referred to us by the military. In this meeting, we were told by the affiliated personnel that the military detective assigned to the case is trying to cover this up. That's what she said in the video. The security looked her in the face and allowed this man to bring a minor onto the base, where he proceeded to have sex with her. Due to her age, she could not have given any kind of consent. Now, let me go back on this quote that she's saying. This is all alleged accusations that are to the Marine. Now, by no means am I saying, oh, the Marine didn't do anything or it was all the girl's fault or anything like that. No, by no means, that's not what I'm saying. The fact that I'm saying is that, you know, lately in the last past couple of years, there has been so much negative publicity on the branches of service, especially down there in Fort Hood with all this stuff that happened over there. And a lot of people, they don't understand how the military justice systems works. Now, remember, it stated that the Marine was handed over to their command. That is the process. That is what happens because there's, they are not being actually charged with anything just yet while the investigation is going on. And that's one thing that I think the civilians don't really understand. They assume that, oh, they're sending it back to their command. They're going to cover it up and blah, blah, blah. That's not the case. The investigation is going to be conducted while they are there. They're placed with their command and the Marine is going to be there until the investigation is done and over with, and then at that time, the consequences will take into effect and the Marine will be handled through the NJP process to ensure that, you know, whatever happened, if in actuality that is what happened once the investigation is concluded and everything is taken care of, that's what's going to happen. Now, with that, the officials aboard the military, they are not going to release any kind of details or anything with the investigation that was done with the Marine. The age, the rank of the Marine is not being released, and it has been handed over to the Naval Criminal Investigation Services, which are the ones that are going to conduct the actual investigation. The federal agency that's in charge of investigating the Navy and the Marine Corps criminal cases, they're the ones that handle this. A lot of people may know that from the show NCIS, where they see all the way that they handle all these investigations aboard the base and blah, blah, blah. So that is how this process is going to go. One of the spokespersons for the NCIS by the name of Jeff Houston, stated that no one has been arrested or charged in this case. He said that the Marine was detained for questioning and then was released back to his command. The Sheriff's Department and the San Diego Human Trafficking Task Force are assisting them in the investigation. So they're conducting some kind of joint investigation to ensure that they find out exactly what's been going on. Now, in the last past couple of years, there have been humongous issues regarding trafficking of young women here in the United States. Now, am I saying that 
that is not the case here. I have no clue. I have no clue, and I'm not going to put my two cents into that because I do not know. But the one thing is that we have to understand that in this country, everybody is innocent until they're proven guilty. And that includes people that are in the military service. Now, with that being said, what the girl's aunt stated, that oh, they just allowed her to come in by looking her in the face and letting her in. Hey, that's her opinion. You know, that's her opinion of how they allow people on board the base. But the way it works is that if as long as the individual is with a person that has a military ID card, that is all they check. They don't check other things as far as who the passenger is or anything like that. And they allow them to come on base. Now, whether this Marine did not know if this individual was underage or he did, that's something that's going to come out here in the near future. And then I'm sure that the consequences are going to be held and that this Marine is going to be handled in the correct way to ensure that this kind of situation does not happen, especially in the Marine Corps. Because, you know, in I want to say... When I was a Lance Corporal, so back in 1997, 1998 time frame, was around the same time that uh, two, a couple of Marines, I, want, I don't want to say two, a couple of Marines were arrested at Camp Pendleton, California for transporting illegal immigrants coming from Mexico. Now, the reason they did that is because when you go on board Camp Pendleton, California, you drive to the whole entire base, and then the other gate is completely on the other side of the base, down there by San Mateo, and you completely avoid the immigration checkpoint that's down there on Interstate 5. So these Marines were actually, you know, trafficking individuals going through the base and then taking them out the other side and then not have to worry about going through immigration checkpoint. Then they can make their way all the way up to Los Angeles without any other immigration checkpoints that way. They were caught, of course. They were caught and they were sent to to prison for their crimes, and they paid their dues. And I'm pretty sure that this Marine will, act, will also be held accountable for what he did if that is exactly what he did or that is what the investigation, you know, determines when all this is said and done. Now, with people saying, oh, they're going to cover it up and this and everything else, you know, in my experience, the Marine Corps will not cover anything up. They will do their investigation they will do everything the correct way that it, way it needs to be done. And those that are held accountable will do so. So this Marine, more or less, I guarantee you, is going to be made an example of because of the whole entire situation of what exactly is going on with everything that the news media is reporting and so forth and everything. Now, we all know that the way the news works and stuff, and sometimes they don't report the whole entire story of what is going on because, you know, they just get the bits and pieces of what's going on and then they make their story. Unfortunately, that's the way they go. And me being a graduate of communications and media technology, you know, I understand how to write a script and tell a story because you want to say everything that's going to catch the attention of everybody that's going to be watching that story because you want to keep their attention of what's going on. And sometimes that can mean that I'm not saying you sway the truth a little bit, but you only grab bits and pieces of what's going on to make the story that much more interesting. So, you know, that's what the news has really been reporting a lot, especially with the Marine Corps. And man, I got to tell you guys, you know, that's that's some some bad crap. That's some bad crap that's going on in that the way that the Marine Corps is actually being looked at right now because 
now everybody is going to assume that every single Marine aboard that base is doing the same exact same thing and that that's been going on for years and years in there in that. And this could be just a case of, you know, that things happen that the Marine might not have been told exactly, you know, what was going on. Is that what happened? I don't know. And that's not what I'm going to say. And that is not where, you know, my view is at because until the investigation is done, until everything is complete, they were not going to know the truth. So with that being said, you know, let's keep on top of that and let's see exactly what's going on so that we can keep updated with that story on everything and find out exactly what this Marine is going to be charged with if he actually is going to be charged with anything at all and more or less guarantee that once all the information comes out, this individual is more or less going to go up for a court-martial to find out what his fate is going to be, especially in the United States Marine Corps. Are you looking for a photographer who can capture the most important moments in your life? Look no further than Miguel Signs Photography. Miguel Signs is an award-winning photographer with a passion for capturing the beauty and emotions of weddings, family portraits, and special events. With years of experience and a creative eye, Miguel Signs will create stunning images that you'll treasure for years to come. Whether you're looking for a traditional wedding album, a unique family portrait, or a professional headshot for your business, Miguel Signs Photography has the expertise to bring your vision to life. From the initial consultation to the final product, Miguel Signs will work with you every step of the way to ensure that your images reflect your unique style and personality. Don't settle for mediocre photographs that simply document an event. Trust Miguel Signs Photography to create timeless images that capture the essence of your special moments. Book your session today and experience the magic of Miguel Signs Photography. Visit Miguel Signs Photography online at miguelsignsphotography.com to see examples of his work and schedule your appointment today. What we're going to do right here is go back, way back, back into time. As we move along with our reading of the 1st Marine Division in Iraq of 2003, no greater friend, no worst enemy, we realize that the division has moved extremely far in the planning process of them being able to know the enemy and be able to actually progress and complete the task that's ahead here in the near future. Last week, we figured out that the division was going to be using the actual the drones. They're going to use the drones to be able to support the division and to finally be able to actually get a daily visual of the actual battle space because they were able to fly those UAVs into Iraq and get pictures and up-to-date satellite images from the drones to see exactly what the plan was going to be and how they were going to be moving across into country once they hit it in there. This week, let's talk about the final preparation, the force flow of what the division is planning on having put together to allow them to actually engage and be successful in the mission that is coming up ahead. As February turned to March, Eunice anxiously awaited the arrival of the follow-on echelon or the FOE shipping to round out their combat requirements. The division had received most of the combat equipment from the MPS ships, amphibious shippings, and in-theater aircraft, but critical components remained on FOE ships. The foe was carried on a mix of U.S. naval services and contracted ships that included much-needed 1st and 4th Marine Division communications equipment. The balance of weapon systems and a large portion of unit logistics for RCT-1 in particular 
looked forward to the arrival of the AAVs that would mechanize two of their battalions. Faced with the possibility that the foe shipping would not arrive before G-Day, division planners redistributed medium live trucks to the RCT-5 and 7 and motorized all the RCT-1's battalions. This belt tightening had a ripple effect as the RCTs took most of the trucks from their logistical trains the burden of carrying their now-stranded supplies fell to CSS G-11, who also awaited assets from the foe. Colonel Pomfret's gung-ho team took this challenge in stride, just as they had the previous ones, much of the relief of the operators and logisticians across the division. The arrival of the USNS Sutterman in 12 March on MV Grinke on 17 March eased this burden by bringing over 140 AAVs and hundreds of trucks. The continuing diplomatic dialogue had provided time that the Marines took full advantage of the much-needed assets and these of one another foe ships brought enabled the division to move itself in a single lift and supported the equipment requirements of multiple CPs. Operating independently of each other, the capability will be essential in the fight on the road to Baghdad, unleashing significant division fighting power. So as we can see, this was one of the main things that they were waiting on. They wanted to make sure that all the equipment, that everything was in country in order to allow them to be successful and that every battalion was going to have all the assets and everything that they needed. And this was an issue. This was an issue because once we landed into country and we were waiting there in uh, Camp Matilda, we still had none of our howitzers. We didn't have enough trucks to pull the howitzers. And that was because of this, because they were waiting the arrival of these ships that were carrying the rest of the equipment that we needed in order for us to have enough equipment to support ourselves and to be able to conduct the missions that we were going to be tasked for. So this was an issue, but the arrival of these two ships that came into actual port and everything, the United States Naval ship, the Soderman, that got there on 12 March and the MV Grinky on 17 March made such an impact because now we were going to be able to get the rest of our trucks that we needed in order to pull these howitzers because, you know, that's what we needed. And back in Camp Pendleton, when we left, we still didn't have hardly none of the 900 series vehicles that we needed in order to pull our howitzers because the Marine Corps at that time was upgrading from the five ton to these big giant seven-ton trucks that were made by Oshkosh. So we got these new ones, but, you know, not everybody knew how to drive these vehicles. So now we had to learn there in country how to start them, how to operate the system with the vehicle because this vehicle was a beast. It's a beast because it had way more power that we needed in order to tow these howitzers. So it was a challenge, but all of us were able to learn, and everybody on the gun section learned how to drive the vehicle and that was going to play a critical role as we move forward because moving into Baghdad as we're going to find out was a task all by itself. Hero, Hero Highlight Louis James Hugh Jr. was born on 12 December 1942 in Ada, Minnesota. He was active in all athletics but left high school after his first year and worked in a canning factory in Ada where he became an assistant foreman. He later was employed by a shipyard in Tacoma, Washington as a painter. He was inducted into the Marine Corps Reserve 
on 23 April 1943 and completed light machine gun school at Camp Elliott, California before serving with the 1st Marine Division at New Caledonia and New Guinea. Later, he saw combat action on Pele Liu as a message runner with Headquarters Company 1st Battalion, 1st Marines. In this capacity, he distinguished himself for his bravery under fire and was given a meritorious promotion to Corporal. Corporal Hugh was posthumously awarded the nation's highest military award, the Medal of Honor, was killed in action on 14 May 1945, while serving on Okinawa as a member of the 1st Marine Division. At the time of his death, Corporal Hughes was a squad leader of a machine gun squad in southern Okinawa engaged in an assault against a heavily fortified Japanese hill. It was during the evening that the left flank of Company C, 1st Battalion, 1st Marines, was pinned down by a barrage of mortar and machine gun fire. The enemy was pouring FLH fire into the ranks of the Marines. Quickly spotting the two guns responsible for the damage, Corporal Hugh boldly rushed across the open area, heaving hand grenades as he ran. Wounded before he reached the first gun, he nevertheless continued his one-man assault, completely destroyed the position. Without stopping, he pushed forward and attacked the second gun with grenades and demolished it before falling from his deadly fire of the Japanese snipers. Inspired by his actions, his company rose from their besieged position and pressed home the attack. The award was presented to his father on 14 June 1946 by Colonel Norman E. True, United States Marine Corps, who represented the Commandant of the Marine Corps. Corporal Hughes' remains were eventually returned to the United States and interred in the National Memorial Cemetery of the Pacific in Honolulu, Hawaii. The Quarterdeck. This week on the Quarterdeck, we covered a lot. In our reading with the 1st Marine Division in Iraq of 2003, No Greater Friend, No Worst Enemy, the division is now starting to do those final preparation efforts for the force flow on what they're planning to actually do once they get into country. And this is going to be very, very important because everybody has to understand how everything is going to work, especially since they were doing all those rock drills, they were doing the jersey drills, they were practicing and rehearsing everything in the actual training areas where they had set up over there in the Dari Range to make sure that everything was going to go according to plan. And this is going to be very important. It's going to play a big role as we move on into the next couple of chapters of our book. Now, next week, we're going to talk about the final efforts regarding the logistics and how all of those things are going to be handled and how the division is going to plan to make sure that everybody's going to have everything that they need once they move forward into country and head all the way into Baghdad. In our Hero Highlights, we talked about Corporal Louis James Hugh. Junior of the United States Marine Corps, a Marine that was born on 12 December of 1924 in Ada, Minnesota, and what he did to earn himself that Congressional Medal of Honor. And my goodness, what a story that he did, the fight that he put up in order for him to be able to earn himself that Congressional Medal of Honor. And once again, another true American hero, extraordinary Marine for his actions not even thinking about himself, but thinking about his fellow Marines that were to his left and to his right of him. This week, we also discussed the story about that Marine on Camp Pendleton, California, that is being accused of sex trafficking of a 14-year-old girl or 
being part of it or not even knowing something about it. But right now he is allegedly being accused of this and we'll keep following up on that story to see what else comes up out of it to find out the truth and not speculate on what's going on or make up any stories like things are going through social media right now with everybody saying all oh, this and that and everything else that the military covers all everything up and this and that, which is not true. So we'll keep a, we'll keep an eye on all that that's going on so we can keep updated and see exactly what's been going on or what actually happens with that story about that individual Marine. Just a quick reminder that we are available on all social media platforms that you can find us anywhere. Just simply Google the quarter deck with gunny signs and you'll be able to find any platform where you're able to listen to our podcast every week gets posted every single time at 0811 mountain standard time or in other words arizona time but it's posted every week at 0811 on thursday on field day to ensure that you have something to listen to while you're cleaning your room so here's to you having a great weekend spend time with the family enjoy the rest of the summer before the kiddos head back to school so until next time this is Miguel, the Gunny Signs, sounding Liberty Call. Get off the bus! I do solemnly swear. I do solemnly swear. That I will support you, Phil. The Constitution of the United States. United States. Against all enemies, foreign and domestic.